What's up, everybody? I'm Josh So Focused. I'm French, the bro host, and we would like to welcome you to the Mixtape Podcast. This is episode 33. And if you didn't know, we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Mixtape. Then go to YouTube and search Mixtape Videos. And if you rather follow on Instagram, you'll be able to find us at the Knicks Take. And lastly, on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. So, a few things. We've been missing. We've been gone for a little bit. It's been a little while. A little bit. We're going to make a slight change to our format because it seems like life happens and the way that we consistently do things until until life stops happening, we just gonna have to kind of just change things up to make it easier for you guys to listen to, easier for us to prepare, easier for us, mm-hmm. easier for us to put things out. So yeah, it's gonna this episode is gonna be a little bit different than previous ones. And also today, I don't really have any uh, babysitter, so chances are you guys are gonna see or hear my kids. Wow. We'll see, depending on how long we go, which we intend to be pretty long. We're covering two weeks of Knicks this this episode. Intense two weeks, too. An intense two weeks. An interesting two weeks. And up and down, up mostly up, but it's kind of down. Very informative. Two yeah, weeks. very informative. Very interesting. And yeah, before we get into that, French, how's your week been? I'm still recovering. I just found out that I actually tested positive for COVID. I knew I always had it, but I finally got the proof behind all these symptoms I've been having. I'm still coughing to this day, but I'm doing all right. FanDuel is uh, legal in New York. It's not a it's not a promo or advertisement. I just want to let you know that I've been going crazy on there personally. But not, outside of that, my last two weeks been cool. What about you? You're not making no money off of that promotion you're doing right now. And um, my fault. actually, that the, the fact that you had COVID, we were going to record last week. That was part of the reason why we did not. On top of the mm-hmm. fact that my head is still recovering, as you guys can see, I'm currently in a cast. Made it very. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're you watching on YouTube, you can see that. Those of you listening can't. I have a cast. It makes it very difficult for me to do a lot of the things that I need to do for this podcast, as well as other things at home. So that, you know, those reasons, you being COVID, me, I actually had surgery on my hand and I'm recovering from that. Those two things were really the main reason why we haven't been here. That's kind of what I've been up to. I haven't been able to go to work, haven't really been able to do certain things while also learning how to do things either with one hand or with one hand and the two fingers as my daughter I'm spins on my bed <laughs> and sings in the background while recording this episode. But yeah, this is outside of that, you know, life's been a little, a little 
little stressful, but tell her to go out the room. <laughs> she ain't gonna listen to me. Life's been a little stressful, but you know, I take it one day at a time. She distracting you, Layla. Yeah, <laughs> Layla, Layla. Can you go and play with Lucas, please? Daddy's trying to do some work, okay? Yes. Can you spin in your bed? All right. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really been you know the past couple of weeks. It's been life's been a little interesting for me, but it's also been kind of boring. I really don't have much to update other than me having surgery. Well, if that's what you got to leave, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. On the last episode of the Knicks Take Podcast, <laughs> the Knicks went two and two to start the week off with two wins over the T Wolves and the Pistons. Then they lost embarrassingly to OKC and the Raptors after Julius and Mitch both went out with COVID. Yeah, one of the, <clears throat> one of those two games Mitch actually played, but Julius was out for both of those games. We talked about that last week. We kind of were like, you were feeling like, yo, we need Julius. That's why we're losing these games. I was feeling like, hmm. The Knicks actually look good without him. It's one of those games they just couldn't hit. And another one of those games, I felt like, yeah, maybe if they had Kemba and Derrick Rose, that that would be a better indicator of them winning games than not having them and having, and having Julius instead. Well, since then, Julius Randle has been playing out of his mind and... And uh, the team has actually looked good while Kemba and... Oh, come here. All right, go back. So Julius has been... Baby, I'm working. Go. Julius has been really stepping up for the most part, as well as one other player has been stepping up that we're going to get into. So since we left off, we have traded for Denzel Valentine and one million dollars in cash consideration cash considerations. We waived both Denzel Valentine and Wayne Selding, which opened up a roster spot for Ryan. How do you say his last name? Archie Diakono. There you go. We, this feels like it was three years ago, by the way. It does. I think we might have even talked about him in the last pod, but we didn't really we didn't talk about the trade. We didn't talk about how we ended up having a roster spot for him. And we also received draft rights to two guys who will never play for the for the Knicks. Uh, I don't really even remember their names because the names don't matter because they'll never play for us. Also, before the next game, the Knicks received good news on Kemper Walker's knee. He was out. He felt, was feeling some soreness. They went to get him tested. And... Yeah, it was a little, Knicks were a little concerned. Maybe he needs to go surgery. Found out, per Mark Berman of the New York Post, there's nothing amiss with his arthritic left knee that would require surgery. He just needs more rest after going through an arduous six-game stretch that included a back-to-back -back set last week in Minnesota and Detroit. Walker didn't play any back-to-backs last season with the Celtics. So, good news on Kemba. Opened up. Million dollars in cash considerations opened up a roster spot for uh, Ryan Archie Dianoco. I said that completely wrong. Archie Diakono. There you go. And then we played the Indiana Pacers. First game, 
Julius Randle comes back. And we won that game 104 to 94. RJ was driving the lane, looking unstoppable in the first half. And then Julius Randle stepped it up in the second half to put the Pacers away. Very good game by the Knicks. Knicks all looked well, Knicks mostly looked really good, especially RJ and Julius Randle. One key moment in the game, Alec Burks at a crossover pushed off Tory Craig in the second half that kind of cemented the game. Pushed off crossover, hit a, hit a jump shot. Everybody went crazy. Once again, 104 94 Knicks. Knicks beat the Pacers by 10 points. RJ Barrett had 11 in the first seven minutes of the game. He finished with 32 points, eight rebounds, went 12 for 20 from the field. Randall. 30 points. First time both of those players both had 30 in the same game. 16 rebounds. 30 for 30. 12 for 20 as well. And we we watched that game and we was like, oh, that, that's nice. Having RJ and Randall both scored 30, both having great games. I don't remember a time when they both had, like, I remember times when RJ went off and it seemed like Randall was trying to get his and cut it in it. And, or uh, Randall would get his and RJ would just kind of be in the sideline, you know, be coming off the bench or, you know, he'd be, he wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be the RJ that we know he can't be, you know. There's been times when RJ gets close to 30 and then the rest of the team forgets about him. It's the first game mm-hmm. where it was like, if we could play like this all the time, we won't be one of the top teams in the East. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to focus. <laughs> I hear Lucas a lot Kids in the background. In the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I'm going to do is just I'm going to go on to the next game <laughs> where we faced off against the Boston Celtics. Biggest game of uh, RJ's young career. He he didn't have a great scoring night. He had 13 points, but as you know, as the rest of the Knicks world know, that was the game that he hit the big, big. bank shot to win the game over Jason Tatum. We were coming off of a 10-point win against Indy, like you was just saying. This was on national television. The Knicks were playing aggressive early. Ended up going down big, and we still made the comeback to get back into this game into the fourth quarter to even put us in a position for RJ to hit the game winner. Tatum and Brown were the both ones helping us build, helping the team build the 25-point lead, but they weren't able to uphold it. And after this game, the team received a bunch of criticism on every sports network that you could think of. And Julius Randle was getting booed in the third quarter. He came back in the fourth quarter, played well, put his thumbs down, told the fans shut the fuck up after the uh, in the in the, in the uh, post game. Then later released a, a public apology on Instagram and. That, that, that game was just a, a, a big game was so much. in the last two weeks. What do you remember there about that game? There was so much at the end of that game. Like, <clears throat> after the end of that game, Knicks were feeling so good. First of all, this was the first back-to-back. This was the first back-to-back game where the Knicks, like, really showed what they could do. Like, really, like, every game has been kind of just kind of back and forth. Maybe they'll win two games in a row, but the second game wouldn't look so impressive. And both against the Pacers and the Celtics, the Knicks just kind of showed what they have. And though there was, what I remember is there were multiple things. R.J. Barrett, obviously, game winning, game winning, thankfully, 
first day winner in what four or five years six years it's been a long time since the knicks had a, sh a shot uh a, a game winning shot at the end of the game like with the buzzer going off the ball is already released it's been it's been years mm -hmm. and he's 21. other thing randall had had an amazing Fournier, excuse me, had the best game out of all of them with his, what, he had 41 points, I think, 41 points. Man, and, I didn't even mention that. He had 41 points in this game and quickly, quickly had a really good game as well. Quickly kind of tied everything together. He, he kept this game alive for us. And that's the, that's the thing from this game that. When we go back a year from now, we're not going to remember quickly. We're going to remember RJ hitting the game when he shot. We're going to remember Fournier's 41, 41 points. And the, But the main thing people are going to remember more than anything else is Randall Keats. The shut the fuck up. The thumbs down. The yelling at the... So. Right now, that's what it is. Like... I, that's because that's what you see on TV. Correct. Right? But whenever I think about that game, I think about RJ shot. That's what I think about as well. But just you can't tell me that you don't all also think about Randall, not because it to you it was bigger, but because of as annoying as it is, the media is hyping it up and making a story out of it more than it should be. Like most people oh, ain't gonna really care. Like if you just watch the game and don't watch read the newspaper or like but even in game while you're listening, Mike Brain and Clyde is still talk like they'll talk about it, they'll talk about thumbs down and all that stuff, and it's like yo, it happened, whatever, move on. We won the game. RJ hit an amazing, amazing shot. A shot that you could shoot that shot a thousand times and you might never hit it once. Like that was the hardest. Yeah, he works on that. That, that was the hardest shot that he could have ever hit. He was falling to the side. He got fouled on the shot. Like mm -hmm. banker. It, like it was an amazing shot. We'll always remember that. But we'll also also put that into conjunction with Julius Randle, and it's partially because he is the main guy on his team. It's partially because the media is hyping it up. It's partially because of how he could have just left it at what was on the court and he decided to double down on it in the post game. And then he also did the sort of kind of apology afterward. He, he contributes to it as much as the media does, as much as like that. And that's just kind of what it is. It should have been RJ Barrett's night, even though he had a bad game, ultimately. Like, it was a really bad game for R.J. Barrett, if you remember. But he wiped it all clean with winning the game on that on that, on that that last shot. Bless you. Yeah. Bless you. So, we, let's move on from that. But that was the main thing. Like, you don't care about Randall Gate. I don't care about Randall Gate. Like, I think we already kind of... My, we kind of already... My view on it is that next week, if he goes off and has 40 and 45 points the next game... The media is gonna cover that, and this isn't gonna be a story anymore. So it's just that, that's not they true doing because, that because that's the only. But listen, that was relevant thing that's there that wasn't there before. But first, that was and, week. That was in week one, right? And he had a bad game. Like we're gonna get into it right now. The next game against mm -hmm. the Boston Celtics, he didn't have a good game. We went into Boston, and he did he play like? Did he have a good game? The second game against Boston, no. And it's like 
And that was another thing that contributes to the story because it's like, yo, if you play as good as you did in that first Boston game, if you keep playing and that's what you do, you you use that to kind of amp yourself up. The fans don't care. Nobody's gonna care. The media is gonna have to be quiet because his play is gonna outshine that those antics. But he comes back after that and wets the bed, like, and and the only the only guy who you know. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you recap it. But actually, I'll re, I'll recap it. We had a two game win streak. RJ biggest shot in his career. We headed to the second game against Boston. We beat them on that game win shot. Boston obviously was gonna come into this game with you know some figure or whatever, and we come out like we just won the game and we don't really need to win this game and we didn't. We lost 99 to 75, almost 25 points lost to the Celtics. Like, Mitch was the only guy who really, really was really impressive, except for IQ. Mitch had 11 and 8, got outplayed by Robert Williams, but, like, Mitch, he's been, he's been the only guy who, like, night in and night out, you know he's gonna if as long as the rest of the team make sure to have him in the paint to for offensive rebounds or you get him going with passes in the paint, you know he's gonna score and you know he's gonna rebound. And then IQ was he was playing good. But outside of that, there's nothing really say about to say about this game. You should we should have gone into this game feeling like, all right, this is going to motivate us to be a better team, right? With Randall, doing what he did, with RJ hitting that shot, and ultimately didn't happen. And this whole thing was just able to continue on because of that. No, it's daddy's stuff. I'm, from my perspective, I don't know if I would have... Uh, you said you could rely on Mitch every night for points and rebounds. I feel like this is something that we've just started to recently yes, see. From that's what him. I meant, though. Like, it, like it's been <clears throat> it's been building up, and then like, mm -hmm. like I've been seeing Mitch. Like, you know, I've been like, yo, they need to include Mitch a little bit more. Like, when they do that, other teams can't really stop him. And there's yeah. lots of times where they just, for some reason, forget that Mitch is there. But his play has been amazing starting from you know before when we went into the games this week like it his, his game has been good he's been rebounding he's been blocking he's blocking shots he's been contesting shots and he's been just amazing around the rim and another thing i wanted to add was the reason why there's not much from for me to say about this game is because i feel like any team when you play them Back to back like it's that, harder. it's hard to get a two-game sweep. But the, it's more of a playoff like vibe during the regular season, and that game, I I, I didn't really have much confidence that we would win that game. It's not about and, winning the game. It was just more so about like you know that they're gonna come in hungry for the win after after losing that first one. That first one was a and tight getting game. embarrassed on. on ESPN and right. all these sports channels where they talking about how Boston collapsed and right. got their heart snatched in the garden. They were talking crazy about the Boston Celtics. And, and that, there's a lot of stars on that team, and they got pride. They 
are talented players. Yeah, they they just didn't play good together that night, got embarrassed, and came back the next game at home and <clears throat> showed what we, they were really capable of. They built another 25-point lead up and beat us at home. But this but, is a team that has playoff aspirations. So that while all that's all said and good, if you want, like, at this point, they were still in the 500. You want to get into the playoffs. You can't. You have to play hard. Like, especially with the hole that you dug yourself in. Like, you can't come out playing a way that you play against a team that you just beat. And that's the thing. That's the, that's the, that's the feeling from last year's Knicks that I'm not feeling at this year's Knicks. Last year's Knicks, it didn't matter who came in. It didn't matter what they, like, it didn't matter. They were going to play hard. If you, whether you won, lost, or whatever, there's lots of teams that were more talented than last year's team. And the Knicks still gave it to them. They might win, they might lose, but at the end of the day, they played hard. And it, that, in this game, it showed the difference between this year's team and last year's team. If you come in and you're ready, you're ready to play, and we're going to see that again, especially after the game we just watched. If you come in and you're hungry for that win, you're going to get it. You're going to take it from us, and you're going to take it from us convincingly. And this team can't afford to let that happen anymore. We're already halfway through the season. I don't feel like that was what this game was. I I feel like that game, shots just weren't falling. They were playing hard. They just weren't. They didn't They didn't bring over the same energy from the last game of the game winner on the road in Boston. It's a, it's a combination. We could, we could go into the next game where we were back at the Garden facing off against San Antonio where... The energy that was lagging in Boston definitely did show up in New York. Coming off the blowout loss, we had, uh, sorry, Fournier come back into the lineup. Julius was getting a lot of bad publicity from the Bulls and all the stuff that he was saying to the fans. RJ was the best player on the, fort, on the, on the court the entire night in New York. Hey. IQ, another one. He was playing at a very high level the entire night. He has a, 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 a nice chemistry developing with RJ and Mitch and Grimes that I want to see explored more in the future because Quentin Grimes, he fits seamlessly on both sides of the floor, plays intense defense, shoots most of the times when he's supposed to. I don't know why. It seemed like uh, a few games he's starting to hesitate when he's wide open and starts to like dribble towards the mid-range, but he's a lights-out shooter, knockdown shooter, confident and a tough defender. So Tim's already saying that how much he loves him. I'm looking forward to seeing what type of role he's going to have once we're a fully healthy team. D Rose comes back and another player who's going to get integrated into the um, lineup, Cam Reddish, who we're going to speak on later. It's a lot of pieces that's on this team and you know that there's going to be some moves coming, but Grimes is a player that he, we, we, we need to see what he's going to develop into because if Absolutely. he's this good as a rookie Absolutely. and he fits this seamlessly into the offense as a rookie this well, like, the sky's going to be the limit for this team based off the role players and the types of uh, depth that we have on the bench. Absolutely. And if the starters could just get, they act together and have a, a squad that... It's competitive both in the Western Conference and in the Eastern Conference. And we have a bench with guys like Grimes and IQ and Obi. 
and you have a star in R.J. Barrett, that's a scary lineup that can I'm, potentially make some noise in the NBA. You know, speaking of R.J. Barrett, that the first game, the Indiana Pacers game, that was kind of like a coming out moment, and I was hoping to see the one thing with R.J. has been consistency. You know, the, we knew that he could do what he did in Indiana. We just hadn't seen it in a while, and I was hoping that Indiana was going to be kind of the opening of the new R.J. Barrett where he's consistent. He can get to the rim and finish, which is something that's been random as hell all year. And went to Boston. He went he went to the Garden and didn't follow up on it, although he still scored his points. He came back to Boston and same thing. He didn't really follow up on that Pacers game. This Spurs game, though. This Spurs game, it kind of was like, all right, those last two games are as bad as I'm going to play. But this, this, this is what I still can get to on any given night. And since that Indiana game, really, like really since that Indiana game, RJ has been a completely new player than he's been any time, any other time in his career. Any other time, like RJ getting to the rim and making difficult shots, the right, play. the right play, the right pass. Like he's doing everything that we knew that he could do and just wasn't doing it efficiently. Now he's doing yeah. it efficiently. Mm-hmm. He's doing it efficiently and, and he's making the case to be that number one guy on this team instead of Randall or be one B with him. And it's not just the shooting and uh, efficient scoring and uh, being a leader on the court. It's also him being a playmaker that's yeah. what's making him take that next step. Yeah. Because whenever he drives to the paint, ever since he was a rookie, you never expected him to pass. You expected him to go up strong, hold the ball, or just keep on dribbling somewhere and end up probably getting a turnover or uh, just a, a, a low success possession. Right. It would end up being something that you didn't want to see. But now that he's letting the game slow down a little, like the game slow down for him a lot, he's making the right play, the right pass, taking the right shots, and he's he's showing a lot of moves that I'm like, whoa, I've never seen this before. Where'd this come from? <laughs> Where'd this come from? Right. Splitting double teams, right. doing a hop step. Right. And I'm like, bro, what? Turn around. The way that he just overpowers some of these NBA players is kind of scary because he's only 21 years old. And but that's been his game. If he's able to be this consistent, if he's able to do stuff like this consistently, right. that's going to be something that you just, yeah, you, you, you're not going to see too much of that around the NBA. But the overpowering has always been his game. It's just how to implement the, the power and the strength that he has for being such a young mm-hmm. player, how to integrate that into efficient basketball. And now he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's, if he's not taking you to the rim with his strength and then finishing, he's getting into the paint and then using his his intelligence to get you off balance so that he can make an easier layup. Whereas before, he would just try to get to the basket and just throw it up and hope that it would go in. No, now he's he's doing things to score at, if, at such efficient levels that if he keeps it up, if he does this for the rest of the year... Next year, he might be an all-star. 
if he can, if, if, next year, if he is able to prove that this is not a fluke, he'll be an all-star because he's going to be scoring at least 20 points a game. And, like, at this point with RJ, I'm like, all right, let me see if this is going to be a consistent thing. Let's see if he can keep this going. Like, let's see if this is the what we always see. We've always seen him hit them high levels and then come back down the next game or two games later or three games later. And he, he went against Dallas January 12th. Wait, before we go into Dallas, okay. we, we we mentioned all that on offense and we didn't even mention defense. all the strides that he's making on defense. Yeah, that's true. But You're now, right. let's move on to Dallas. You're right. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about But, you know, the offense is the more – when it comes to that all-star recognition, the offense is, is, yeah, no. is the key point in that. But, yes, you're I'm absolutely just right. right out for the listeners. Two-way. Like for, for the listeners, he's going to be a two-way star. Absolutely, if he keeps this up, 100%. Like, we need to see it. We, we need to see it consistently. It can't just be one week. It can't be two weeks. It's got to be a full month before it's solidified. And... People are now game planning for R.J. Barrett as well as Julius Randle when they come to the guard or when the Knicks come to their arena. And they should be doing that now. Yeah, absolutely. Because right after that game, Dallas Mavericks came and you know, or actually we went to Dallas and the Knicks went. No, and, we was in New York. Oh, you're right. You're right. How can I forget that? Because That's the game Frank, that we were supposed Frank, to go Frank, to. Frank, <laughs> Frank had a three at the end. It got cheers. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, the biggest cheers of the night. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I watched this game. I was really bored by this game, and that's interesting because Dallas was really is really one of the better teams in the Western Conference. With Luka Luka Doncic definitely did play this game, and RJ was on him. And you you led this game with talking about RJ Barrett's defense. RJ Barrett's defense was very key when it came to Luka Doncic because whenever RJ was on him, Luka was uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Couldn't hit any shots. Luka did not have a good game against the Knicks. And no Chris Dapps Porzingis. Nobody really cares about that because Chris Dapps really very inconsistent player as well. But he's Nick. been playing very. He has been playing very well. Very but, good this season. I, but we all know Luka Doncic is the engine of that team, and that team can win, can win without Chris Stapps. Like, they, there's no question. Luka is one A on that team, and but RJ made Luka non-existent, and on the offensive end, <laughs> he scored another thirty-point game, finished seven rebounds. Like mm -hmm. first time in back to back first time points. in his career, he has thirty back to back thirty point game. The youngest player in Knicks history to do that. And this was once again the R.J. Barrett show. Julius also had a strong night: seventeen points, twelve rebounds. I'm sorry, Ju yeah, Julius had seventeen points, twelve rebounds. Mitch had himself a double double: nineteen points, ten rebounds. Hit. Had himself a night. This, this was just as much as this was an RJ game. This was also a Mitchell Robinson game. So, this was really just an overall really good game. I think this is the first time actually that all of the the starters on this on this Knicks team 
all scored in double figures, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't it, think it was the first time. But, but it was the first time like, in a long time. We did that like in the first half, I believe. We might have done that in the first game against the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And, and, that, was, and that was it. Uh, this was definitely the strongest game by the Knicks starters all year. Easily. It was an impressive win. Easily. This is on ESPN, nationally televised game. And... What was the final score of this game? I feel like we beat them by like what? What fifteen? It was not. Points? It was not a close game. The final score to this game, Knicks. Where am I at? Knicks one hundred eight, Dallas eighty five. So it was not. Right, it, like, it was. It was not. It was not a close game. It was a blowout game. They had like, as I said, Frank came out at the end of the game, last two minutes of the game, whatever, like that. That's mm-hmm. it was. Dallas knew it was over. It was that kind of game. Yeah, Dallas knew it was over and just threw the bench out there. It was that kind of game. Uh, do you have anything yeah. else? Is there anything we're missing from this Mavericks game that we that we need to talk about? Any plays, anything like that? That, that I, I, I like I said, I was bored by this oh, game. I caught main... myself dozing off, so I don't really remember much. I just remember it was just strong. Yeah, RJ just going crazy, dropping another thirty-two points on them, doing heading the step back three on Luca to put him over thirty yep. for the first time. Back to back, um, and after the game, that's when the trade happened with, for Cam Reddish. You want to just go straight to that? Because <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But yeah, we can we right get off the, the game. The game was this... cool. It was a nice, impressive win. <laughs> I wanted to be the one to say, but yeah, the Knicks traded Kevin Knox and a protected first round pick for Cam Reddish and Solomon Hill. And when I <laughs> Received that message from you, French. When you broke that news to me via text message, I was like, "What?" And you didn't tell me. You just said, "We got Cam Reddish," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "But what did we give up for him?" And then I looked it up and I saw Nick trade Kevin Knox and, and a sec and a first round pick. And I said, "What pick did they trade for him?" And it was the Charlotte Hornets pick that we traded our 19th pick in the draft mm-hmm. for that was top 18 protected this year, top 16 protected. protected. I was like, that's a fleece. <laughs> yeah. We fleeced these dudes. Yeah. Kevin Knox yeah. and a pick that may or may not convey, depending on the rest of the season, for Cam Reddish. And Solomon Hill, uh, mm-hmm. who doesn't do that? Like, and, and then after doing some research, after apparently there were there, there are some teams that do not would not give up a first round pick for Cam Reddish. Well, okay, so here's why he's saying it's a fleece. It's definitely a one sided trade, but in my opinion, I think the health of Cam Reddish is what's going to be the most important factor of this trade because. Outside of that, if he's going to be on the court consistently, he's going to be getting minutes. We're going to see him elevate and become a better player under this coaching staff, under this, under these guys like uh, Kenny Payne. They, they're going to work with this guy. I mean, not Kenny Payne. Um, the guy from Utah, the, the, the head coach from Utah. I'll tell you in a second. It's going to come back to me. But Cam Reddish is a, like a, a potential star player when you watch him play. The moves that he could consistently do to get to the rim 
the jump shot is automatic if he's wide open. It looks like he has shooting 50% from the corner three. But his health is the main aspect of this trade because Kevin Knox has, you could say what you want to say about him. He hasn't been consistent on defense, but he's been consistently healthy for this entire tenure that he's been a Nick. And if he gets an opportunity in Atlanta to play, he's always been a scorer. He's always been a knockdown shooter. He's he may not have been consistent, but he hasn't had consistent minutes from the minute from the time that he's been here after his rookie year. You get what I'm saying? So if Cam Reddish could come in, be consistent, get a consistent role, end up being a starter on this team, which he has the potential to be. He could take Evans Fournier's spot right out the rotation. RJ could go back up to the two, have Cam at the three, Randall at the four. That's a that's a, 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 a much better defensive lineup, and the shooting shouldn't go much further below if it goes below at all. If you want, like, also, um, Solomon Hill, he's not just a throw in, in my opinion, because if you do any research on Solomon Hill, he's very respected around the league. He's a, a, a great presence in the locker room, and when you think back a few years, that Miami Heat team that was in the bubble that got to the finals, he was on that team. Um, and on the next year, where did he go? I'm not sure about the next year, but I know in Atlanta, that team got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And when people talk about Solomon Hill, it's always with a great respect. It's always with uh, great admiration because what he does to, to, uh, to, to, to the young guys in the locker room, he always gets the best out of them. He always... Gives them like the Taj, he's, he's like the Taj Gibson on, 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 on the Hawks. And to have a guy like that in our locker room, Cam Reddish is really close with him. Throughout the time he's been injured, Solomon Hill was always telling him to stay ready when he comes back. You out the rotation now, but your shot, you have to make sure that your shot is good. The minute that they call you, you have to come into the game. Always just be prepared. And your shot is always going to come. There's always going to be opportunity and when you got a, a guy like Solomon Hill giving advice like that, that's always going to be a positive when you think about the guys in your locker room. And Dio Penson was the guy that Knicks fans miss from last year because he was always bringing that energy. But if we could get a guy in the locker room that's going to provide a presence that helps guys like Julius Randle come into the game and play with a little more effort and help guys like Grimes understand what their role is, more so so that every time that he touches the ball, he knows exactly what to do with it. You've got guys like Cam Reddish who look up, who, who are not look up to Solomon Hill, but they're really close in their time in Atlanta. So having them both come here together, I think is going to be uh, a positive, even though he's not going to play since he's out with a um, season-ending injury. But what's your thoughts on the Cam Reddish deal? I like the deal itself. But I also, like, I feel like nobody really knows how to judge it until we see how the, it plays out. Because, don't get me wrong, this is 100% a fleece. Like, Kevin Knox is not going to play for Atlanta unless they get really depleted. And even then, I don't think... Kevin Knox is going to give Atlanta anywhere near the production that Cam Reddish has. 
don't think he. I don't think Kevin Knox is going to score a thirty-point game with Atlanta. I don't think that he's going to. He's never going to be anywhere near the defender that Cam Reddish can be. And they're just Cam Reddish is just up, up, has way more upside. For sure. What you missed was I was saying how in Atlanta, the well, I said the most important part of this trade was going to be health. And 100%. Cam Reddish hasn't been healthy for Atlanta. And if he isn't healthy for us and Kevin Knox ends up, I said the one thing that we never had to worry about with Kevin Knox was health. That's true. If he's in Atlanta, he gets an opportunity because other guys go down and he always, pro he always proved here that he could score if he does the same thing in Atlanta and they give him a shot. I can definitely see him scoring 30. He scored 26 a few times for us, 25. Like, how long ago, he, he how long score. ago was he that, just, And yes, he can, he can score. And I'm not saying that he will never do it. I just don't see him doing it for Atlanta. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like he's, I don't think he's going to do it for Atlanta. I think that he will have to prove that he can play more minutes than what he's been given in New York which I don't think he's going to mm -hmm. do in Atlanta with all of the wings that they have there, which is the same problem that Cam Reddish had. Like, all of the problems that Cam Reddish had in Atlanta, in Atlanta is the same problems, kind of, that Kevin Knox has in New York, had in New York. It's just mm -hmm. that Cam Reddish is not the shooter that Kevin Knox is, except from in the corners. Mm-mm, you off. Why? I got the, it's a big difference because Cam Reddish views himself as a star. Absolutely. That's why he's not, he didn't want to stay in Atlanta. He was getting 23 minutes a game. Kevin Knox is coming from having no minutes. Yeah. He's happy to just get an opportunity to be in a rotation. So Kevin Knox, I mean, he's not going to feel the type of way. He just, the reason why he may end up leaving in free agency, but even if he leaves, he could go and get another uh, opportunity. The, the Hawks still get a first-round pick out of this trade, even though it's heavily, heavily protected. Does Cam... Does Cam... Works that up with a bunch of other trades. But if Cam isn't healthy, it's just not going to work out. Does Cam get as many minutes as he got if the Atlanta was not so depleted by COVID and injury? Like, everything that Atlanta has gone through this year, like, does Cam get those 30-point games that he got like a lot of times that they were running offense through him because Trey Young was out. Yeah, a lot of times he got big minutes because Trey Young was out. And assuming that that doesn't happen again for the rest of the season, Kevin Knox ain't going to see no burn. Like at the end of the day, Atlanta still has threes and fours that are going to see time ahead of him. And that's just what it is. It's, it's not that it's the scenery. The scenery has changed, but the, the the situation hasn't. He's not Kevin Knox ain't gonna start. Kevin Knox is not gonna be the first guy off of the bench. Cam Reddish, he is injury prone, one hundred percent. He made that was, but this is what I was gonna get at. Who does he play over? He is he he's not gonna start here either. Who? Cam Reddish. Why not? He's not, he's not going to start immediately, but he's going right. to end up starting, and that's what. But like. this is why I'm saying it's going to be determined by what happens for the rest of the season. Everybody comes down on one of two things, and it's like none of these things are a given. It's not a given that the Knicks are going to make up make a trade that is going to either make Cam Reddish a starter or give Cam Reddish significant minutes. Like It's not a given. 
I think they will try 100%. I think that they're going to try. I definitely think that they will try to have a trade before all-star break, but I don't think it's a given. And if it's not, and if it doesn't happen, I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kick the can with Cam Reddish to next season as opposed, as opposed to this season. It's also, I don't think the help. Knicks give away first round picks just for a guy that they don't plan to give big minutes to. I'm not saying that they don't plan to give him big minutes. I just don't think that they, it's a guarantee that he's going to get big minutes this season. And that's, and they will have that. They oh, have, I'm not saying that. they do have him for next year. So like, maybe they, tr- maybe they trade somebody in the off season and that opens up those big minutes for Cam Reddish. But I, I don't think that they made the trade for him either. I, I feel like Kevin Knox and that, glorified, you know, first round pick. Like it's a glorified second round pick, really. Because assuming Charlotte doesn't play well for the rest of the year, that that pick won't convey this year. Assuming that they are the same team next year, that pick won't convey next year either. So it could be two second round picks by the time it's all said and done. That's not that steep of a price. It's not like it was the Knicks old first round pick. Like it, it that's a much higher value than what they actually gave up. Uh, you're right. You don't just give up a first round pick for a guy that may or may that that's not going to play. So Cam Reddish is definitely going to play. I definitely think that they feel like there are going to be guys that go down because this is not like the the uh, you know the symbol of health on the Knicks team when we don't have any of our point guards on the court right now. Evan Fournier, you know. He could go down. He could get hurt. He he has been out a couple of games. Uh, we we've got other guys who play. Who, you know, RJ Barrett is the only constant, really. RJ Barrett is the only guy that we know for a fact he's going to play the rest of the season. God God willing, but guys can go down. Cam Reddish can play. You know that's how Quentin Grimes has gotten as much playing time as he has. You know that and. But the, the, the fact that the fact still remains for me, when Kemba comes back, when Dirk Rose comes back, we still have Alec Burks, we still have Evan Fournier, we still have Emmanuel Quickly, we still have Quentin Grimes. And I don't see Thibodeau playing Cam Reddish over any of them. And that's and that's the thing. It's going to be reliant on our players' health and a trade. And if our players are healthy and there's no trade, Cam Reddish is going to be waiting until next season to see significant minutes. Oh, no. The the talent level of Cam Reddish and the guys that you just named is significantly the, different. No, the upside of Cam Reddish. Don't be, don't be. Yeah, yeah, no. Right now, Cam Reddish is better than everyone you just named. Right now, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish's upside is higher than everybody. Cam Reddish's upside. I'm not talking about upside. Cam Reddish's upside might be better than R.J. Barrett's if he could get there. But but I'm not talking about. I'm talking about right now. He's better than Quentin Grimes, Deuce, everybody that you just named. He's better than all of them. He's better than quickly. He's better than quickly. Why? Because he's a more polished fact, scorer, a more polished let, defender. Let's, let's save that for the He's not a consistent let's save that for the end. as you want him to be. That's gonna be but quickly still hasn't surpassed things that Cam Reddish has surpassed. Like what multiple thirty point games. The the defensive things that Cam Reddish can do on the court 
quickly hasn't been able to do that yet because his size, obviously. But yeah. Cam Reddish is a much better defender than all of them, except for Cam Reddish is Quentin not Grimes. Cam Reddish is not consistent at anything, and that's the that's what I'm trying to tell you. Yes, that's why I say his upside is better. Yes, Cam Reddish has accomplished a lot more than all of the players that I've named, but he is not as consistent as any of them, except for maybe Quentin Grimes. And that's the problem. And when you throw a guy out there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from this. Give me two minutes. Two minutes. When you put a guy out there, you don't know whether he's gonna give you 32 or 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 eight on any given night. Then. That's not a guy that you can rely on. That's not a guy that you can put in your starting lineup. And if the Knicks can make him that guy who's more consistent, the way that RJ is, at least to the consistency, because RJ had that same problem too with the consistency. RJ is consistent right now. If RJ can remain consistent and they can make Cam Reddish just as consistent as RJ Barrett, 100% he's better than all of those guys and should be playing ahead of all of them. But Thibodeau is not going is not going to put a guy out there who's inconsistent. See Frank Nilakino. See all you know. See Obi Toppin. He's not going to put a guy out there who one day game he could show like he's worthy of starting, and the next game it's like, yo, where was the guy that we saw yesterday? He's not going. He's not going to do it. Oh, you mean Evan Fournier? Well, Evan Fournier has proven a lot more in his in his <laughs> career than Cam Reddish has. Like not on the Knicks, he hasn't. He's he's had yeah, five good games. How many forty point games does Cam Reddish have? Like, and, and Evan Fournier has shown that we he can defend. About with the Knicks. Can't, Evan, well, Cam Reddish hasn't done a single thing for the Knicks yet. I don't, and let me say this too. I prefer to see Cam Reddish in the starting lineup over Evan Fournier. Like, 100%. But Thibodeau is not going to put Cam Reddish in, in the starting lineup over Evan Fournier. I know that 100% for a fact, so I'm not even going to put any real serious thought into that. Because Evan Fournier has proven so much more than Cam Reddish. And the version of Evan Fournier, who we've seen more often than not recently, that's a guy who deserves to play over Cam Reddish, honestly. So uh, we're gonna let's move on from this Cam Reddish topic. And let's get into the Atlanta Hawks game. <laughs> Speaking of guys being out, Cam Reddish is out right now with a sprained ankle. And I'll be right back, French. Uh, all right, meet your mic. Um, Cam Reddish is out with a sprained ankle. Nerlens is also out with a sprained knee. Clint Capella was out for the Hawks, so um, that was a big reason for how this night went. Cause Atlanta came in and into this game on a four-game losing streak. The Knicks came in on a two-game winning streak, winning four of the last five games. And RJ had another good, solid game against uh, the Atlanta Hawks, ending the night with twenty-six points, five rebounds. Julius Randle had twenty-four, nine assists, six rebounds. <clears throat> also, has been playing much more consistently on defense. The starters all combined for ninety-nine points out of the one seventeen that they ended up dropping on the Atlanta Hawks and um this 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 game was for the most part a blowout up until the fourth quarter the fourth quarter came Atlanta Hawks crept their way back into this game playing uh feisty defense occasionally a lot of it was just boneheaded decision making from the Knicks 
but they came back, brought the game to within two, and the Knicks just put their their foot on their throat, took the took the wind out of them late in the fourth in Atlanta. Had R.J. Barrett chance coming in Atlanta for the Knicks, and Mitch had a strong performance, fourteen rebound. I mean, fourteen points, thirteen rebounds. Alec Burts. Unsung hero of this game, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, almost having a triple-double. And Fournier looked like he found his groove. Went 4 for 8 from 3, finished the night with 18 points. Very, very impressive, encouraging win when you think about who this team was last year. Eastern Conference Finals beat us in 5 games in the uh, first round. And I don't know. the thing about the Hawks that makes me nervous is last year we damn near swept them. If if we didn't, could definitely sweep them. But I remember in the last game that we played them last season, it looked like they had figured something out against us. And Trey Young came, couldn't stop him in that one game last year. I think it was late in January. And that game went into overtime. Trey Young got injured. He got out the game and and that was the only reason that I felt like we won. And then when the playoffs came, you see how that went. In this game in the fourth quarter, it looked like they figured something out with an Onyeka Okongwu because he was just a difference maker on their team. He was blocking Julius Randle going, when, anytime he went up to the rim, finishing on the other side. Like He provided a, a very strong presence on the court that we didn't see last year with Clint Capella. We only saw nice scoring from DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young. Solid team defense. Kevin Herter was knocking down threes, but we didn't see no guy like Onyeka Okongwu killing us, like how he was in that fourth quarter. But we still found a way to win this game. As soon as he went out the game, I feel like that was the the change that we needed because Julius Randle finished the night with the 24 points and we ended up getting that win. What was your thoughts about the Atlanta win? Man, (laughs) I I just want to say, that was an enjoyable victory. (laughs) Because, (laughs) what is that? What was there really for us to complain about? Like, it wasn't really anything for us to play, complain about. It was kind of like the Mavericks game, except it was a more exciting game. I was wondering coming into the game what was going to happen with Cam Reddish, but then I, re- I remember reading that he has a sprained ankle, so he's not going to play. So it was like, all right, so Cam is not going to get a chance to play against the team that traded him. RJ. But I wasn't expecting that anyway. Yeah, but I kind of, I still would have liked to have seen I wanted, I just want to see what Tibbs does. Which Mm -hmm. I already kind of know what he's going to do. So so that's why I was thinking it. Especially against the Atlanta Hawks because like if he does play him, I want to see if he's going to if he's going to show out. But obviously that's that wasn't going to happen. RJ continues his strong play. Um, Julius played well again. Mitch 
Mitch. We already talked about Mitch. Like, he's damn near a walking double-double at this point for the Knicks. And I, I don't know. I just was happy. <laughs> I was happy. Like, they were they, Atlanta was missing guys, but they, they still had a lot of guys, and they showed in this game that they had a lot of guys that could still make a game, uh, you know, a, a win against them difficult, but they did They did it. And I felt like this was kind of, I kept thinking about the playoffs, honestly, like watching this game, because even though this is not the team that if the Knicks were to face them in the playoffs, I was trying to see, all right, are the Knicks going to have that same issue the way that they had against Atlanta if they make it to the playoffs again? No. And this is a completely different team. Mm-hmm. This is a completely different team, especially if RJ is the player that he that he showed himself to be against Atlanta. I could see Julius Randle doing what he did in the playoffs again, but if RJ can keep this up, I can't see him doing that because it's not going to be about missing jump shots. It's going to be about him finishing in the paint. And I don't think we're going to see Julius like that ever again. Last year in the playoffs, Julius looked like it was his first time in the playoffs. And he's grown since then with a lot of his decision-making that I see now. Even though he still gets a lot of turnovers, he still makes a lot of stupid plays. Yeah. But we don't see the Beyblade Julius Randle anymore where he's just spitting into traffic and then turning the ball over. We don't see the going into double team, getting stripped as much as we used to. We see him but, trying to make the right play, and but I don't sometimes feel, he just goes I don't feel to the like we saw that. I don't feel like we saw that in the playoffs. I felt like a lot of it was him thinking too much. And we've definitely seen that Julius this year. Uh, you know, and even... But even after the whole thumbs down thing, like that should have been like, all right, let's rattle off five good Julius Randle games. And no, a lot of a lot of Julius's flaws, I feel like, are him messing with his own head. And I could definitely see that happening again in the playoffs. But I don't think it's going to matter because in the playoffs, we needed him and RJ to be themselves and they weren't. And then outside of them, you got a Reggie Bullock who can't really score off the dribble. You got Alfred Payton. Well, in the first game, anyway, Alfred Payton just taking up minutes from 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 people that he shouldn't be. And we didn't have Mitch. We had Nerlens Noel, who offensively can't doesn't really give you much. And then you see what this team looks like when you have Mitch. You have a focused R.J. Barrett. You have Alec Burks in the starting lineup. And even if Alec Burks is not the is not you know, starting if we make it to the playoffs, you, you're going to have somebody in there who can create off the dribble, that can finish, that can shoot, that can do all of those things offensively that Atlanta exploited. Evan Fournier is still kind of a question mark for me, but everywhere else outside of Julius Randle, I, I don't see what happened last year to happen to last year's Knicks happening to this year's Knicks if they make the playoffs. And that's all I kept really thinking about in this game, especially with Mitch's strong performance. Granted, it was, you know, 
you know, uh, what's what's his name wasn't playing, but um, Capella. Capella wasn't playing for the Hawks. Granted, that that wasn't the case, but I I think Capella will get would get his, and Mitch would get his, and that would cancel each other out the way that it didn't cancel each other out when Nerlens was out there. So, pause for a second. Okay. For the listeners, I remember the Utah's coach's name, Johnny Bryant. Continue, Johnny. <laughs> so, that but that that's just kind of all I was really thinking about, especially with these last stretch of games where the Knicks were how many games under five hundred. This was the Knicks' first first time being back over five hundred with this win. They got to five hundred with the Dallas win. They beat the Hawks and got back over 500. And it was like, okay, a path to the playoffs is, you know, possible. It always was possible, but now it, it seems like it's it's not just something that you're hoping for. It's something that if the Knicks continue to play this well, it's going to happen. They're going to be somewhere between the sixth and the tenth seed, and they will they'll make it to the playoffs. So, are we done with the with the logs, French? Yeah, I I, I deep dived into it already. Yeah. You could just jump into jump the into one that we just saw. Bomb ass game that we just watched before we came in and started potting. Sure, let's do that yeah. today. Martin, the Celtics game two point oh. Yeah, Martin, Martin Luther King Day matinee. Hornets in the Garden. Hornets came into the Garden. They were pissed off because they lost to who? The Magic. I guess they came in with something to prove. Yeah. The Knicks came in like they rolled out of bed and was like, "All right, let's 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 play this Hornets team." Um, Miles Bridges came out, scored like twenty points in the first quarter, and then scored another like seven in in the in the in the second quarter. As my daughter comes in to interrupt me again, what's up, baby? Okay, give me five minutes, and I'll go back downstairs and get you some chips. And here comes Lucas. Let me let me wait for Lucas, because I know he's going to ask me something. What's up, Bubba? Can you go back downstairs? I'm coming downstairs to give you more chips, okay? So, yeah. Miles Bridges came in, scored damn near 30 by himself. Come here. Scored 30 almost by himself. The Knicks... Didn't have anybody that could stop him for some reason. No, Nobody was really playing amazingly. RJ still had a strong game, I feel like, but he didn't have a game like Miles Bridges was having. Nobody had a game like Miles Bridges was having in that first half. And on top of that, Knicks were not taking care of the ball. Knicks were missing their free throws. Eight missed free throws in the first half alone. And ultimately, this was like, this was the game where they, I just feel like they just didn't have it. On one hand, I, I there's like a lot of things that I could nitpick and I could be upset about. I could say, yo, Tibbs should have did this. The Knicks should have did this. The Knicks should have hit their free throws. Um, I, like, there's a lot of things I could complain about. Or I could just say, this is just... They just weren't going to win this one, no matter who was on the other side of the court. The only thing that I really want to talk about was that Mitch drive from the three-point line with the Euro step into the dunk. I, mm-hmm. My face was like, 
for like a good 10 minutes. I'm not even going to hold you. Like the Knicks was losing. I was still thinking about that dunk. Like, did Mitch really just do that? Like he put the ball on the floor twice, did a Euro step and dunked the ball. But we know Mitch could do stuff like that. It's just the coach don't allow him to no, do stuff like that. No, I know like Mitch that. could do stuff like that. I was shocked that. that he was allowed to do I it. I know Mitch could do stuff like that, like on an empty court or with like one defender on him. He like went by like four guys on the way to that dunk. And I was like, he learned that from Obi, right? That move, that move, he learned from Obi. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Mitch. I know he learned that from Obi. Yo, Mitch is doing this. We win this game, and then we lost the game. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it, there was there's other things. I wish Obi could have got more minutes. I wish Quentin Grimes could have got more minutes. I wish Evan Fournier looked like he didn't really have it. I wish he would have got less minutes. But you know, no reason to really talk about it. This game was, yeah. was just a game that that wasn't. <laughs> Listen, uh, let me uh, leave one more time, French, and I will be back. And you can, can you get the chips, and I'll talk about how this was a game where we definitely would have liked to see Cam Reddish play because it looked like the wing scoring and just the youth and athleticism that the, the Charlotte Hornets had, we didn't have. We had a bunch of old, slow guys. Not old slow guys, but they a bunch of guys that move slow. RJ's not the quickest guy to get out to guys on the three point line. Um, IQ is probably the quickest player we have, and he's not even one of the fastest guys on the court when we played these this team. Miles Bridges' athleticism just looked like it was too overwhelming for us. Obi Toppin had a few moments this game. I think he finished the night with what? Uh, nine to 11 points and he was looking to match the athleticism with these guys trying to get some dunks but we just could not get a rhythm anytime we threw him alleys they weren't they, they weren't converted there was a lot of missed free throws missed dunks we just didn't seem to have it this looked like a noon game at 1 p.m <laughs> and, and and the team was just really struggling and I hate that this is the last game that we have to end off this nice week because I feel like in the last two weeks, when you really think about it, we've only had a few losses. Like the, the Boston loss and this loss here were pretty much the same loss in my opinion. It just looked like we weren't making shots, weren't in the cohesive flow like we, we normally are. Any other game that we've played that you see, like the San Antonio game, the Dallas game, Indiana game, we all we win all those games by ten points or have a huge lead at one point <clears throat> in each of these games. Then we go and face Atlanta, in in Atlanta away game, take care of business, go up ten plus game, ten, ten plus points in the fourth quarter after they done made a comeback to within two points. You get what I'm saying? Like, this team has been showing a lot, a lot of growth from what we've seen from the beginning of the season. And they are a lot more consistent, except for games like this, and except for the games in Boston. But that used to be once a week for, for from what we saw in the beginning of the year. Now we see two of those games in the last two weeks, but it's not the same feeling like how it was in the beginning of the year, because... Every game would be tough. This one, this, we would play hard and not go two, three quarters where we're just looking at, like, what team is this? This isn't the same team we just finished watching. 
we see this team playing against this team today. I mean, see, seeing this team play against um, the Hornets today. And it's really just that game 2.0, the Boston Celtics game 2.0. I was just saying while you were going, how and in, in these last few weeks, there have been less games like the games like this game and the game in Boston. In the new year. When, when we spoke on the phone yesterday, and you were telling me how you, how discouraged you were about the Boston game, and I'm just telling you that's just one game. And when you think about the grand scheme of all the games that we've watched in the last few weeks, it's been a lot more positive signs than negative. 100%. A lot more consistency than what we see in the beginning of the year, where one quarter, the team just completely loses cohesiveness and looks like a completely different team. Or having the worst plus minus in NBA history, which we saw with the starters this year, we're not seeing that this year. We're seeing a lot of games where all the starters are getting in the groove. They're looking for Mitch. That Alec Burks is playing the point guard, even though he's not a point guard, and he's doing a solid job being able to guard the other team's point guard. RJ's been outstanding these last two weeks. So that's how I'm feeling about this team in the, in the last few weeks. So what about you? So in 2022, the Knicks are 5-3. and three. That's, you know, that's good. I would rather six and two, but they lost to Toronto, which they weren't going to win that game. They lost the second game to Boston, which, like you said, that's those are always the hardest games to win. Mm-hmm. And then they lost to Charlotte today, which that's what it's that's one of those games where they just didn't have it. In all three of the games they lost. They lost by at least 14 points. That's concerning. But as long as they win more games than they lose, I really, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. And I am optimistic, especially since we're winning these games with no point guard. Unless you consider quickly a point guard. Which I, I'm getting closer to being there, but I'm not there yet. But... Games like, I feel like two of the three games that we lost, if we had somebody who was able to really be that point guard, take command of the offense, get get everybody in order, like, we would have won at least one of the two games that I'm thinking of. I don't think we were ever going to beat Toronto with the personnel that we had. But if we had one point guard, yeah, I, I think that Jalen Brunson. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> well, we can talk about that in a sec. But next episode, next episode. We're doing this without Kepler. We're doing this without D Rose. Mitch is fully healthy. I just thought of something. I was about to say we've got both Nerlens and Mitch, but we didn't see Nerlens today, did we? Nope. Um, but we got Mitch. And as long as we have Mitch and one of the other two guys, I'm I'm good with that. I don't I, I think that this team is showing their potential. 
when they're missing a key aspect. Like we, when we came into the season, we were saying, yo, we have 48 minutes of good point guard play. We got 48 minutes of, of good center play. And then we got RJ, Randall, Fournier, Burks. We got all these quickly topping. Like, and then they didn't show that potential that we felt coming in, especially with Mitch trying to get back into shape, Nerlens being hurt, and everything, all of that. Kemba not playing aggressively. Like, those things all contributed to this inconsistency. And now we're seeing what this team might really be. And now we just need Kemba to come back, which Tibbs was just talking about him in the post game. It's going to be up to him when he comes back. He's close. He says he's out there. He's practicing. And then Derek Rose has already rejoined the team as far as you know, he's not rehabbing by himself now. Now he's he's actually able to be there in the practice ring with them. Mm-hmm. When those two guys come back, I'm hoping that the same potential that we're seeing is not interrupted, firstly. <laughs> and I'm hoping that both of these guys can get back to the play that they were playing when they were both at their best. Derrick Rose before Kepler got pulled out of the out of the rotation and Kemba after he returned into the rotation. If we get those guys back to that, to, to that level and we see how Mitch mm-hmm. playing the way he's playing now, and you can give me whatever Taj or Nerland gives me. I, I feel like this is a team that's going to be very difficult to beat in the playoffs. And I don't, I don't think this is a championship team, but this is a team that is showing with RJ, with Julius Randle, with what Evan Fournier is able to do, what what quickly is able to do, what Alec Burks is able to do, what Quentin Grimes is able to do. We there's so many guys, and then we just added Cam Reddish. Like, I am probably the most optimistic that I've been since opening night. And that's where I'm at. So I'm right there with you. We're back at 500, which is, you know, I was hoping we'd be two games over as opposed to back at, but we got a chance tomorrow night to do that against the Timberwolves. The one thing that I really want to... Well, I done forgot what it was because I then I started thinking about Cam Reddish, but... Well, I'm going to just say one thing that you should keep your eye on, finishing where you left off, mm-hmm. right? is the fact that tomorrow I think is the first time RJ's seeing Anthony Edwards since he made them slick comments about RJ's the guy we want taking that shot back when they beat us last year in in, uh, Minnesota. And RJ just replied to that with the laughing emoji. Mm -hmm. So And with the shot against Boston. Yeah, with the shot against Boston. I'm pretty sure he wished he could have done that against Minnesota, but that's one thing to keep your eye on. I think RJ is going to be going into tomorrow night very motivated, very determined to go after Anthony Edwards because I'm, I'm pretty sure they match up against each other. They should be guarding each other um tomorrow. So I I I, I want to see how he performs on both sides of the court. I want to see him shut down Anthony Edwards because Edwards is a very talented player, scorer, athletic, and that's going to be a good matchup to watch tomorrow. Minnesota Timberwolves are 21-22, practically the same record as the 22-22 and Knicks. 
Timberwolves mm-hmm. are seventh in the West, Knicks are eleventh in the East. I just remember what it is that I I I've been thinking about. French, my question of day. Whose team is this when this season is over? RJ or Randall? OB. <laughs> you know it's gonna be RJ's team. It's not even a question. Oh I think Randall is always gonna be the tr the, the 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 team I mean the uh the team's like most aggressive dominant player that's gonna attract all the double teams, but in order for this team to get anywhere, it's gonna have to be with RJ becoming a star. And it's gonna have to be his team. So I'm hoping by the time the season's over that RJ's at that point. Cause he looks like he's on the brink of it right now. But at the end of the year, if RJ's doing what he's doing, this is his team. We already see the, um, Tibbs is running plays with RJ bringing the ball up and deciding what, what happens with the offense. Like that's not something that he does with just anybody. He does that with quickly, Burks, RJ, and Randall. That's it. No one else gets that privilege. So I view this as RJ's team now. So, I think the only thing that is stopping RJ from being that guy is the consistency of doing it the way that Randall did it last year. I would love to say that at the end of the year, it's going to be RJ's team. I'm sorry, at the end of the season. I could see it at the end of the year. But at the same time, if at the end of the season, it's RJ's team, that means that Randall saw a regression or he continues his inconsistent play, which is not good for the New York Knicks. We need RJ to continue his play as it is now, and we need Randall. He doesn't have to be what he was last year, but he's been playing very good these past two weeks as well. He needs to keep that that consistency for the rest of the season. And it will still be Randall's team if it's that way. If he's still that guy who is a triple-double threat or a double-double achiever game in and game out. It'll still be his team because of what he did last year, because he, he was most improved player, because he was all his BA, because he was an all-star. But... Next season, run the ball through RJ or have him bring the ball up and just try to run, start the sets off, and then Randall gets his off of whatever RJ doesn't get. As my kids call for me again. I, next season is going to be RJ's season if he's able to keep this up. And then hopefully Cam Reddish is a part of that and hopefully... Both of those guys are part of the long-term Knicks rotation, which it is so nice. It is so nice to see RJ playing the way that he's been playing. And I, I'm my, the other thing that I, I, I had this one more thing that I just want to leave off with, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. Who are you willing to give up? 
to get the Knicks to that championship level. If RJ keeps this up, if Randall is still that guy, and pick a name, Cam Reddish, Manuel quickly, Obi Toppin, one of those guys comes out and is a really great contributor. Who are you willing to give up for the Knicks to be great? Don't answer it now. Just wanted to put that question out there because that right now, that is definitely seeing the way that the Knicks are playing, see how RJ is playing, and they make it to the playoffs and they continue this uh, this good play. You know that the front office is has to, they have all of the talent, they have the assets, they have the picks, they have the young players. There's probably a trade coming. And you, now you guys have to start thinking about who you're attached to that you're going to have to probably give up in a trade. All right, French, let's get into predictions. Well, last episode, even though it's been a lot more games since what we predicted, Ja predicted that the Knicks would go 1-1 one and one, while I predicted 0-2. Ja won, so he's going to get to go and choose who goes first on this week's I'm going to go first. And had we recorded this yesterday as we had planned, I was going to say 3-0, and, oh, and then you probably would have won. But mm-hmm. we were recording after the Hornets game. They got their loss out of the way, so now I'm going to say 2-0. and oh. They're going to beat both <laughs> Timberwolves and the Pelicans. What do you think that the Knicks are going to do? I say we go 1-1. One we lose to Minnesota and beat the Pelicans. All right, let's wrap this up. We, we actually doing pretty good in top, considering that we are covering two full weeks at an extra game that we were <laughs> initially not going to cover. New format. Right. So, yeah, you got anything that you want to plug? Just my movie recommendation of the week where I chose this. It's not an old movie, but it's like a 2000s uh drama comedy drama drama dramedy comedic dramedy <laughs> it's called lucky number 11 morgan uh freeman and bruce willis are the two most notable actors i like that movie you've probably seen that movie yeah I, I it's better it to go in blind i'm not gonna tell you what it's about just go in blind and enjoy tv recommendation is a show on showtime called good lord bird it's also on hulu um, it's a seven-episode series about the abolitionist John Brown told in a very Django Unchained kind of way. Really good watch. Um, my father put me on to it, yeah, so I, was, I thought... I was going to say that, too. Ayaka, Ayaka was talking about that. He watched a couple episodes, and I was like, yeah, I think I would get into this, this show. So, yeah, I think that's a good recommendation, too. Yeah. Um, that's where I wrap up at. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm done for. Nothing left on the ledger. Nothing left on the uh, on the page. Nothing to read off of. <laughs> two I've, weeks. I've watched in two hours. I've watched a couple of new movies, and I will say that I watched two Marvel movies since the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. I watched Shang Chi, and I watched The Eternals. I just watched it the other day. I liked any of those. I like both of them, honestly. Uh, you a Marvel fan, boy. For sure. But, you know, I, I when the, when a movie's bad, I know I know that it's bad. 
and I don't I don't feel like either one of them was bad, and they're both very different movies. So, if you're like used to, if you like Marvel movies and you just want to go see like the regular kind of Marvel movie, you don't want to see Marvel switch switch it up at all. Go watch Shang Chi. But if you want to see Marvel kind of do something kind of different with with their storylines, with with how they tell the story, with and you want to see uh, a character that or see characters and multiple characters that are not really part of the main Marvel Avengers kind of situation, uh, then go see the Eternals. I don't know if the Eternals are really gonna like they they tell this move this story in a way where you don't know that if it's gonna really like you know it's gonna be play a part in the Marvel universe. You know there's gonna be a little bit of interaction with certain other Marvel characters, <clears throat> but I don't I don't know if this is for sure gonna play a major part in the main Marvel universe. You know at least for another few years. It's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy in that way, where Guardians of the Galaxy only really interacted with the other guys when it came to the Avengers movies. And, and not even the Avengers movies, the last two movies with uh, Endgame and Infinity War. That's probably how it's going to be with the Eternals. And uh, it was very... Eternals was very much like a more serious Marvel movie. Shang-Chi was more so like a kung fu type flick it starts off with like a lot of chinese language and stuff like that but it's still very much marvel's version of that um and as far as tv recommendations uh... wait before you do that marvel's cool and all that but if you want to see a real good superhero movie just wait for the batman movie coming out uh later this year no <laughs> no because DC movies is always better than Marvel. You try to, you know what? We're going to have a conversation after this pod because I know you didn't just say what you just said. All right, I'm not going to put. Knight, Dark Knight Returns. What's another uh, DC movie? That's it. Some up. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> That's all you got. People was trying to pump up Wonder Woman I and I watched Wonder Woman. I was like, it, it's okay. It's all right. But Wonder Marvel Woman got cool. about 15 really movies better than Wonder Woman and then they put out Wonder Woman 2 and then that flopped like. Get out of here with, with your DC fanboy shit. Anyway. Come on, man. Batman's <laughs> better than everything. Anyway, I, and I like Batman, honestly. But that that's really... Watchmen. That's really all they got. Um, Watchmen. Anyway, I got Don't no TV recommendation. So I think this is where we wrap it up. Once again, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening too. The next the next the next podcast. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at the Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.